you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him he's my miracle worker. Whatever it is, he's my miracle worker. He's able, he's able, he's able. We're honored tonight to have each of you here. As Pastor Spencer's already mentioned tonight, it's great to have all of our ministry guests. Would you give all of our ministers, pastors, leaders a great big hand? Thank you. And to all of our guests and friends that are here tonight, thank you. Thank you for joining us on this Friday night. And it is an honor. It is an honor to have you here. And it's great that the Lord is in the house tonight. And, of course, we are honored to have Pastor Court Chavis with us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. And he has been ministering to us. And God has set us up to this moment and no telling what he's going to do before we leave this house tonight. I didn't get up this morning and make it through today and drive in here in in nine-degree weather just to come fill a little slot and say I came to church. I want to have some church before I leave here tonight. I want to lift up the name of the Lord. I want His glory and His power to fall. Come on, welcome Jesus right now. Come on, CLC, welcome our special guest tonight, Pastor Court Chavis. Let him know you love him tonight. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus right now. How many believe in the power and the name of Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 that he is the brightness of his glory and that he is the express image of his person. But the original text doesn't say express image. The original text says that he is the icon of his glory. Now, in 2020, we know a lot about icons. Because on your desktop, you got icons. And on your phone, some of y'all with y'all's phones all looking nice and pretty. iPhone, and for those of you who need the Holy Ghost droids, there is icons on your phone. Now, there's an icon on my phone right here. It says notes. All my notes are not right there. But when I click the icon, all my notes come up. All that
that is my notes have to be connected to the icon. The icon is not all the notes. It's just when I access the icon, I have access to all my notes. I got to click on the icon to have access to all that the icon represents. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you click the icon of the express image of God. And when you say the name of Jesus, you say Adonai, and you say Elohim, and you say El Shaddai, and you say Yahweh, and you say Jehovah, and you say Jehovah Nisi, and Jehovah Rapha, and Jehovah Shalom. When you click Jesus, you say King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, and Prince of Peace, and Fairest of 10,000, Lily of the Valley, Rose of Sharon, Bright and Morning Star. When you say Jesus, when you click the icon of the express image of For the Bible said it like this, for it pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in him. Somebody shout, it's all in him. Shout, it's all in him. It's all in the icon. And something happens when you call the name of Jesus. Something happens when I call your name. 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 Come on, say. Something happens when I call your name. Something happens when I call your name. Something happens when I call your name. Shout the name of Jesus.
to praise him in the house. There's something about the name of Jesus. Jesus. Every demon has to flee. Every sickness has to leave. Mountains move, say. Mountains move. Chains are loose. We break through. Mountains move, yes they do. Chains are loose. We break through. Every mountain has to move. Chains are loose. We break through. Somebody be confident in it tonight. No, my 
God one more time. Put your hands together. Lift your voice. And shout out the name that is above every name. My, 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 my. Won't you high five somebody and tell them nobody but Jesus. Somebody said, you guys over there at the Pentecostal church. Y'all, Jesus only people. I, I beg to differ. We are not Jesus only people. We are only Jesus people. Because only Jesus could have brought me out what I was living in. Only Jesus could have raised me. Only Jesus. I'm not Jesus only. I'm only Jesus. It was only Jesus that brought me through what I was going through. Woo. Somebody shout yes. In the New Testament, this is not my message, but I'm just going to tell you this. In the New Testament, the disciples only preached about the Holy Ghost one time. Let that just sink into your spirit real quick. In the New Testament, the disciples only preached about the Holy Ghost one time. And Acts 2.38 is not the message. It's not. The message of Acts chapter 2 is not found in verse 38. It's found in the 10 or 12 verses before it when Peter preached Jesus. Acts 2.38 was the altar call. They said, what, after they heard about Jesus, they said, what shall we do? Acts 2.38 was not the message. Acts 2.38 was the protocol. But Peter preached about the person, and the person ignited the protocol. Never in the New Testament do the disciples and the apostles preach about the Holy Ghost ever again. They only preach Jesus. And every time they preach the person, they get the protocol. <laughs> Philip preached Jesus in Judea. They all were baptized. He didn't preach baptism. He preached Jesus. And when he preached Jesus, they were all baptized. <laughs> when he went to the desert and found the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he did not preach baptism or Holy Ghost. He preached Jesus. He started at the same scripture he was at, and the Bible said he preached unto him Jesus. And when the eunuch heard about Jesus, he said, there is water, what doth hinder me? He didn't even preach about baptism. He just preached about Jesus. When Peter went to Cornelius' home, he did not preach about the Holy Ghost. He preached Jesus. And while he preached Jesus, they all received the Holy Ghost. This ain't my message tonight, but let me tell you right now. If we can get back to the person, we will, we will see the protocol. We major on the protocol. And the disciples majored on the person. When they preached the person, the protocol came naturally. Hallelujah. 
Something happens when you preach about the name of Jesus. Something happens when you sing about the name of Jesus. Something happens when you invoke the name of Jesus. If you want to see signs and miracles in your church, preach Jesus. If you want people to be baptized, preach Jesus. If you want people to receive the Holy Ghost, preach Jesus. If you want people to come out of drugs and addiction and bondage, preach Jesus. The book of John chapter 6, let me preach the message that I actually came to preach tonight. Mm. Hallelujah. What an honor to be here tonight and to have been here for the last two nights at the Awakening Conference, Revival Conference. What an honor it has been to be with brother and sister Jordan and their highly capable, highly talented family. Wow. Unbelievable. What an amazing family and what an amazing gift to the apostolic movement that they are. And uh, I bring greetings from my family tonight, my lovely wife, Amanda, who um, has forgiven me for not being with her on Valentine's Day. It cost me a few dollars, but she has forgiven me adequately, and uh, my beautiful children, Courtney, Sydney, and Isaac, CSI, I did not do that on purpose, but it is a great way to remember them, Courtney, Sydney, and Isaac, and they are phenomenal, they are gifted, they are anointed, they are amazing children. And my church, Truth Chapel in Loganville, Georgia, we greet you in the name of Jesus. An amazing place and my favorite place to be. Amen. And I am so thankful to have the opportunity to preach to you to the word of the Lord tonight. <clears throat> I am not worthy to stand behind this sacred desk. However, the Lord has saw fit to bless me to have the opportunities that I have. And so I will not take them lightly and I will not take them for granted and I will not step into them uh, unprepared. And so tonight I feel like I have a word for, from the Lord for this revival conference. This is a revival conference, and I pray tonight that something I say will ignite something in you. Thank you, Brother Spencer, for saying what you said, because it's going to play perfectly into my message. This is not about dreaming about what you're going to do, uh, fantasizing about what God's going to do in your life. This is about doing it, beginning it now, starting it now. I'll tell you the best time to start today. Today's always the best time to start. Well, how can I start? Well, you can start tonight just by going home and getting on your knees before you go to sleep and saying, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. I make myself available. I want to be used. Put somebody in my way. Give me an opportunity to minister. Give me an opportunity to pray. Give me an opportunity, God, and I will pray and study to show myself approved until the opportunity reveals itself. But until then, God, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be diligent, and I'm going to serve you. Amen. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, when you have it, just shout, I got it. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Somebody say, because. They followed him because. There was a because in the statement. 
The Bible says Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. The Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude and a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for him he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which have five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in a number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as many as they would when they were filled. He said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered themselves together, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Amen. Tonight, if you'll allow me just for a few moments, I want to preach to you on this subject. Needers and feeders. Needers and feeders. The Lord gave me this word in November of 2018. 2018, I was on my way home for Thanksgiving. And the Lord put this message in my spirit. And over the year of 2019, I preached to my church from this message a concept called abundance. And I preached that the Lord was going to do some mighty things in our church. And I'll just tell you this before you're seated. In the year 2019, we paid off completely 35 acres of land. And then we bought another nine acres with two facilities on, that acre, on those nine acres, totaling 30,000 square foot. And we are now beginning the renovations on those buildings. Truly, 2019 was a year of abundance for our church. Amen. It was a year of abundance for our church. We grew from an average of about 380 to an average of 450 on our weekend services. And God has blessed us tremendously. And this message is one of the reasons why God did it through us in that season. And I want to encourage you that I'm not preaching to you something I read in a book or heard on YouTube, but I'm preaching you something from the throne room of God that if you will connect to it tonight, God will do something unprecedented and powerful in your life. If you believe that with me, would you lift your voice? God, in the name of Jesus, open our hearts, our minds to be not only hearers of this word tonight, but open our spirits to be doers of this word tonight. And God, we will be careful to give you praise and give you glory and give you honor in this house for your kingdom and for your glory. I speak it now in the name that is above every name. And with the church, lift your voice and somebody shout in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. This story that I bring to you tonight is a very familiar story. Um, it is highly preached about. It is highly um, written about. It is a fantastic story. It is a great miracle, one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. I want to just point out a few things for you, and I know that you, many of you in this room, if not all of you in this room, you've heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is nothing new. You've heard it before. But just let me show you what the Lord revealed to me in the scripture. The Bible says that there was a great multitude that followed Jesus. 
But it did not just say that they followed him. The Bible says they followed him because. Look at your neighbor and tell him because. You know, uh, every person that walks through the door of a church walks through the door of a church because. You didn't just show up here tonight. You came because. You either became because someone invited you, you came because you felt obligated, you came because you needed something from the Lord, but there's a because in your life. There is, the, I, I'm here because. And you know, I have a lot of stories in my life, and every one of those stories led me to this place because God was doing something great in my life. And I'm not just here tonight, uh, I'm not just here tonight just for any old kind of reason, but I'm here because the Lord has called me, and I'm here because I am a needer. I need something from the Lord. These people were following Jesus because they needed something from him. They weren't just following because he was a cool guy with great popularity. The Bible says they followed him because they saw what he could do. And they were hoping maybe he'll do it for me. Amen. And let me just say this tonight, that every person in this room tonight whether you know it or not, you are a needer. And you are here tonight because you need something from the Lord. And let me just say this to you tonight. That if you are here tonight because you need something from God, you are in the right place. And you are here for the right reasons. Because there isn't anybody in this room that is here because we don't need anything. No, I need something from the Lord. And I don't care how great I become. And I don't care how many conferences I preach. And I don't care how many people know my name. I will never reach a place where I don't need something from the Lord. I will always be a needer because in my life there is a hole that cannot be filled with anything but the power and the presence of an almighty God and I will need him for the rest of my days hallelujah hallelujah don't look down on people when they come into church full of trouble and trial and you're thinking well they're just here because they need something baby you came because you needed something don't look down on people that came because they need I'm still in need it's me oh lord it's not my mother not my father not my sister not my brother but it's me oh god standing in the need of prayer I need him oh how I need him every hour I need him there'll never be a time in my life when I don't need him and just when you think you don't need him something else will come into your world and you'll say oh God I need you I'm never too far away from falling on my knees and saying I need thee oh I need thee bless me now this multitude was following Jesus because they needed something they were a multitude of needers and if those disciples thought they were so cool and so great to be right next to him they were needers too there's nobody in this room that's not a needer I'm a needer and I'm proud of it amen I'm perpetually in need of the touch of God I don't care how long I pastor I don't care how many people I pastor. I don't care if I become a bishop or an apostle, whatever you want to call it. I'm always going to be a needer. It was, it was Paul, the greatest apostle in your Bible, who fell on his knees and said, Lord, I take this thing from me. You, 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 you got to help me, oh God. I, I know I'm an apostle, and I know I'm called, and I know you've done great things for me, and I know you've done great things through me, but I'm a mess, God. I'm a wreck. He said, I died daily because my life,
life is in shambles and God would you take this from me and God said no I will never take it from you because I want you to always need me and my grace is sufficient for thee you'll never reach a place where you don't need him I don't care how many suits you got I don't care how many ties you got I don't care how many credentials you got in your back pocket I'm always going to need the Lord on my side hey I'm taking a little time right here because I want you to realize that you have not arrived yet. You have not arrived yet. God is still on the throne and you still need him in your life. Hey. They saw Jesus pray and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us. Teach us how to pray, Lord. And this is the only time in your Bible where we have an actual lesson on prayer from Jesus. It's the only actual lesson of prayer that we have from Jesus. We see him pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so we have that example of prayer. But this is a lesson of prayer. There's a difference. An example of prayer. We have a lesson of prayer. Jesus says this is how you pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Watch what he says next. Give us this day our daily bread. That ought to tell you something, that in Jesus' recipe for prayer, he lets us know that you have to do it every day. Did you catch that? Did you know that? That in the system of Jesus' prayer system, he let us know that it's a daily prayer, that Lord give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive them that have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the only example that we have of prayer through the mouth of Jesus Christ. And he lets us know every day you need to ask me for bread every day. Let me just say this to you. What you got at camp meeting, it is not helping you right now. What you got at youth convention is not helping you right now. What you heard last week is not help. What did you get today? When did you pray today? Where is your daily bread? Some of y'all got some moldy bread because you ain't asked him for bread in a month of Sundays. But God give me this day my daily bread. I'm a needer. High five somebody and tell them I'm a needer. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yeah, and I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of it. I'm a needer. I'm needy, baby. I'm needy. I am needy. I'm needy. I'm, 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 when, when it comes to the five love languages, y'all read that book? Yeah, I'm needy. I'm like, I'm like a dog. Just, just like pat me on the head and tell me I'm doing good. Physical touch and words of affirmation. I'm basically a Labrador Retriever. Just crash me on the head and say, oh, you're doing great. I'm like, huh, I'm happy. I don't need nothing else in life. I'm needy. Just touch me and tell me I'm doing good. I'm happy. I'm needy, and I'm proud of it. 
I need thee every hour. These people were following Jesus because they were in need. And Jesus refused to send them away hungry. And he looked at his disciples and he said, hey, guys, I want to feed these people. They have followed us. They are in need. And I want to feed them. I don't want to send them away hungry. I want to feed them. How can we feed them? And the first person he asked is Philip. And Philip's the money guy. Apparently, Philip is in control of the money. And he says, Philip, you know, how can we feed them? And Philip said, well, Lord, I checked the bank account. And 200 pennies worth is not enough to feed these people, which is great news for me because Jesus' ministry was broke. Hey, 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 hey. I've been there before. Glory to the Lamb. And they said, they said Lord, we, we, we don't have the money that we have, we could not give them a crumb. But this is what is so powerful to me is that Jesus was only asking Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. It was a test for Philip. And Philip is focusing on what's in the bank account, but he's not focusing about what's in his heart. And God is not concerned about what we have in our abilities, what we have in our accounts. God is not concerned about the power and the giftings that we have. The Bible tells us very clearly that he knew what he was about to do. I'm so thankful that God, before God called me to Loganville, he knew what he was going to do. And I said, Lord, I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the plan. But God, whatever you want to do is fine by me. Because God did not send me that. God does not say oops. And God does not say wow. He already had a plan. Before he called you, he knew you were capable. He wouldn't have called you if you weren't capable. He already knew what he was going to do. You ought to be excited tonight that when God called you, he already knew what he was going to do with you. He is not looking through the bushes trying to figure it out. He knows what he is going to do. Yeah. He himself knew what he would do. He said it to prove him. He was just looking for Philip's ability and willingness to do something. And Philip said, Lord, we... I mean, we could just give them all a crumb. I don't even think it would be enough to give them a crumb. And out of nowhere, here comes Andrew, and this is very powerful. Andrew comes, and he has a basket full of bread and fish. He says, uh, uh, Jesus, there's a lad here that has five loaves and two fishes. And tonight, I just got three loaves of French bread because, well, it's hard to find barley loaves. And... Uh, I don't think you want me bringing dead fish in the church. So just pretend tonight. And he brings them this, this, this basket and, and he gives it to Jesus. But I want to see, I want to show you the faith in this moment because I believe that sometimes we miss this faith. And, and, and watch verse 9. He said, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they amongst so many? In the moment that Andrew is giving God what's available, in the same moment that he's giving him what's available, he's also disqualifying it as he's giving it. Lord, I give you this, but it ain't going to work. And for some of us, we would look at that and say, oh, oh, Andrew, oh, Andrew of little faith. But I say, no, Andrew of great faith. I think it's great faith. I see it as great faith because Andrew knew that it would not work, but he gave it anyway. 
Andrew knew that it was not enough, but he gave it anyway. Andrew, as he's given it, he, he is in his mouth, he's saying, Lord, this ain't going to work, but here it is. And there's some people in this room, you have not given God anything because you have already disqualified what you have to give him. But why don't you just give him what you already know is inadequate? My God. Oh, hallelujah. God is not looking for adequacy. God is looking for availability. Can I help you real quick? Can I help you real quick? You, you, can I help you? You are not enough. Hate to bust your bubble, baby, but go ahead and get over it. You are not qualified, you are not able, and you are not worthy. Get over all of that. Exactly, but Lord, I'm going to give you what I have. It is weak, it is, it is, it is meager, it's not enough, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody to give me that weak mess. Because if you give me that weak mess, I'll do something with that weak stuff that will blow your mind. God, if you just give me, God said, if you'll give me what you know isn't enough, I'll make it enough. He said, I'll show you what I'll do. All I need is a willing heart. All I need is a willing vessel. All I need is somebody to say, Lord, take it. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Take my hands, take my feet, touch my heart, speak through me. God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. I can't talk right. I don't look right. I don't come from the right family. I'm the wrong color. I don't have no education. Whatever you think it may be, God said, give me that and I will blow your mind. Let me take you back a few seconds. Jesus said he already knew what he was going to do. So he knew the five loaves and the two fishes were already in the crowd. He was just waiting for somebody to give it. Jesus knew what he was about to do before the five loaves and the two fishes showed up. Did you catch that? He knew that the five loaves and two fishes was in there. He just waiting for somebody. Jesus knows what's sitting in this room right now. He knows the talent and the ability that's sitting in this room. He knows the giftings and the power, the callings and the anointings and the ministries that are sitting in this room right now. All he needs is for somebody to wake up, Brother Spencer. All he needs is somebody to wake up and say, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to teach that Bible study. I'm going to... I'm going to start that P7 club. You know what? I'm going to pray a little earlier every morning. I'm going to read my Bible through this year. I'm going to do something. You know what? I am not adequate, but I'm going to do it. And God said, I already knew you was coming. I already knew you had gifting. I already knew you had provision. I already knew what I was going to do. I was waiting on you the whole time. All we got is this, Lord. All we got is this. He said, okay, make the men sit down. Now, this is a whole other message, but let me just stop right here for a second. You don't eat if you don't sit down. If you're not sitting, you're not eating. Tell the men to sit down. He didn't say tell the women and children to sit down. He said tell the men to sit down. Because men got to be under subjection to the power of Jesus Christ. And husband, if you'll get under subjection, your wife and kids will get under subjection too. 
but you don't eat if you ain't sitting. I got a word for somebody in the house. Just sit down. Now, you don't have to actually sit down. I'm just saying spiritually, you need to sit down and shut up and let God do what he's about to do. And the Bible says, and when they were all seated, as long as you're standing, it ain't happening. There's a lot of miracles that are not taking place because you keep standing. Sit down, sir. Well, okay, that's my, I, I, like I said, not my message. Another message, another time, another place. He says, okay, tell them to sit down. And when they had sat down, when they had sat down, Jesus took. He, he couldn't take, he couldn't bless, he couldn't perform until they sat down. Some of y'all been praying for stuff to happen in your family. You've been praying for stuff to happen in your life. You've been praying for God to do miraculous work, and you want him to, but he will not break and he will not bless until you sit down. Sign of submission and subjection. God, I'm sitting down. And he said, okay, once they were, and when they had sat down. Woo. Okay, anyway. He took the loaves. Lord, I thank you for these loaves. The Bible says he gave thanks. I thank you. Woo. I thank you for these little five loaves. Why, why would you thank God for what is not enough? The reason you, oh, I could preach a million, a million years right here. But the reason it ain't blessed yet is because you ain't thanked him for it yet. And when he had given thanks, it ain't enough, but Lord, I think, God, this little job at Arby's is horrible. It's $7.50 an hour, and I'm broke. But God, I thank you. I got a job. Thank you for my job, Lord. I got, I know people that ain't even got a job. God, thank you for this little $7.50 an hour. You're so good, God. You're so miraculous. I just thank you for it. And maybe tomorrow the phone will ring. Anyway. Sometimes you got to thank God for what isn't enough. Lord, I thank you. For this five loaves, two fishes, all these 5,000 people. And after he had given thanks, the Bible tells us, doesn't tell us in John, but it tells us in other gospels that he broke it. He broke it. Because God doesn't bless what he can't break. And he would bless you, but he can't break you. He'd been trying. He tried to break you. She left. They left. You got served papers and you still ain't broke yet. You, you, you're bankrupt. Your kids are leaving and you still ain't broke yet. God's like, I'm just going to keep breaking until I'm going to keep pulling on you till I break. And if you'll let me break you, I'll bless you. But I'm not breaking you to destroy you. I'm breaking you to multiply you. I'm not breaking you to destroy you. I'm breaking you to multiply you. There's multiplication in this breaking. Some of y'all been going through some junk, but you ought to be excited right now because God's breaking you because he's about to bless you. Woo. Some of y'all been going through a breaking, and you ought to say, Lord, I thank you for the breaking because I know there's multiplication in my breaking. Hey. Pharaoh thought he was breaking the children of Israel. 
But the Bible says the more he pushed them, the more they grew. <laughs> the more he broke them down, the more they multiplied. And the harder the taskmaster was, the easier the kids came. Popping them out like Skittles, baby, because the devil was trying to push them down. And when God says, when God puts you through a breaking, he is trying to put you through multiplication. But if you resist the breaking, he can't distribute. God wants to distribute you. You were not designed to take up space on a pew. God designed you to distribute you. He could have done it himself. Jesus could have done it himself. The man that walked on water that's about to feed 5,000 with five loaves, he could have just said everybody had bread, bam, everybody would have had bread. But the Bible says that he, he blessed it, he broke it, and he distributed it to the disciples. I need a few disciples. These, these, these four young men right here, right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, quickly, quickly. He, 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 gave, him, he gave him some bread. Okay, hold on. Y'all stay right there now. He gave him some bread. He said, I'm going to distribute. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Now, I could do this all by myself. I don't need you because I'm God. But here's the way I work. I always give it to you so that you can give it to them. God, God, God could do this all by himself. You know that, right? But he has chosen us. To be distributors of the broken. He says, all right, now go, 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 go distribute it. Go, go give it to somebody. There you go. Hey, man. Look. Hey, this is fresh bread, by the way. Just jump in. What y'all doing? You got to come back, bro. My goodness. Jesus had one Judas. I got four. Throughout the crowd now, distribute that, distribute this. You gotta be, you can't just be going to the same little girls you're trying to get their phone number. Come on now. <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. And the man got bread. Now, 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 y'all stay right here. I'm gonna send you out again. Now, now, now this is super important here because what what we miss is the miracle in this moment. We miss this miracle because the disciples are distributing. And it is hard to distribute to people that you know will not eat. The, the disciples are looking in the basket, and they know, what, they know what we got. And they're like, that ain't enough. And, and so the first time that they were going out to distribute bread, I'm pretty sure it took them a while. It took 12 people had to feed 5,000. It took them a minute. It wasn't just like real quick. This was over time. And so the first time the disciples go out and give it to people, they're thinking, they're giving it to one guy, and they're like, here you go, bro. And you're looking at the other guy like, mm, you're not going to get nothing. There is no more bread. I've seen what we got. And you're giving it to one family, a little, you know, little snotty-nosed kids looking at you like, ooh, bread. And you're like, mm-mm. This isn't enough to go around. And it takes faith to do ministry and inadequacy. Let me say it again. It takes faith to do ministry in inadequacy. 
because you know that it's not enough. You know you're not enough. You know this is not enough. You know I don't bring anything to the table that's special. And so it's hard for some of you to do service because you know that you're not enough. But if it's up to you to break it and bless it, you are going to be in trouble. It is not your job to break it and bless it. It's your job to distribute it. I don't do the breaking. I don't do the blessing. It ain't my Holy Ghost. Ain't my healing. Ain't my church. I'm just here to distribute what God's doing in this season. Are you with me right now? The first time the disciples deliver this food, they're like, bro, hey, and they're probably talking to each other on the way back up the hill with Jesus, and they're like, bro, are, is this gonna, what are we doing, bro? We're about to have a riot on our hands. These people are going to kill us. And when they get back to Jesus, he's still breaking. He's still breaking. And they're like, okay, we can go out again. Let me go give some more bread. And while they're out distributing, God's multiplying. The only way to get God to distribute, the only way to get God to multiply is to distribute. And probably about the second or third time the disciples come back and they realize this ain't running out. <laughs> you know, that, that second or third time, you know, there's a little peppiness that, like, man, God's doing something miraculous. And what they realize as they go, as they minister, as they distribute, as they work, they realize, guys, we are in the middle of a miracle. Can I tell you something? The first Bible study you teach will be the worst Bible study you teach. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. That first Bible study is treacherous. But when you see a family click on and they go, hey, we need to get baptized in Jesus' name, you realize I'm in the middle of a miracle. Maybe some of y'all quit serving because it wasn't enough. But what you got to do is when you serve, you got to come back to Jesus and get more. And Jesus keeps bringing it over and over and over. That's good. That's good. Thank you. I'm, I'm done. Some, there's some folks in the room right now. You quit. You was teaching Sunday school. You got offended. You quit. You were singing, you got offended, you quit. You, some, some, some junk went down in your family and you quit. And you did not distribute long enough to see the miracle in the distribution. But if you'll keep serving and you'll keep working and you'll keep giving and you'll keep showing up, eventually you'll say, my God, there's a miracle happening in this thing. I didn't know you could get so much joy by teaching a Bible study. I didn't know you could get so much joy by singing in the choir. I didn't know you could get so much joy by being on the parking team. I didn't know you could get so much joy by serving. At some point, the disciples had to have some joy and excitement when they realized, man, God's doing something powerful here. This is amazing. The first song you sing is always the hardest one. The first Bible study you teach is always the hardest one. 
The first time you show up early and unlock the church is the hardest time. The first time you teach a Sunday school class is the hardest time. But as you keep distributing the ministry that's in you, God begins to show you, no, no, no. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. Say it. What are you preaching tonight? I'm preaching that somebody needs to serve again. You need to give again. You need to get on the team. You need to say, Pastor, what can I do? And if I can't do nothing, I'll just pray and pray for revival and pray for lost souls. Our churches are full of spectating apostolics that show up just to eat. You keep enjoying the fruits of someone else's labor. And God's saying, no, I don't need spectators. I need distributors. Well, Pastor Chavis, I can't preach. How do you know? How do you know you can't? Tell me when you tried. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. How do you know you never tried it? I don't know if I could witness to someone in the Walmart checkout line. How do you know you've never tried it? I don't know if I could teach you something. How do you know you've never tried it? I don't know if I could be a greeter at the door. I don't know. How do you know you never? I don't know if I could be an usher. How do you know you never tried it? I don't know if I could be a security team member. How do you know you never? You keep sitting there hoping that God is going to do something powerful. But baby, put down your Bible and get you a basket. One of the greatest problems in our churches today all across this world, and not just even apostolic churches, but even denominal churches, we struggle to find people that will work. People that will show up and work. People that show up and shout. People that show up and pray. People that show up and do all kinds of stuff. But will you work? Will you work? We need workers. We need people that will get the bread and serve it. The Bible says that when they were all filled, I'm about to preach and I'm be done. Well, the Bible says when they were all filled, they, the disciples come back to Jesus. Whew. We're done, Jesus. Oh. And it's all gone. Wait a minute. Where's, where's our food? Where's the food for the feeders? Where's, wait a minute. Us 12 dudes just fed 5,000 people. There's some, there's some ladies in here. You served before in a serving line where you didn't even have to move. You just stood there and served. You served 100, maybe 200 people, and you know that's exhausting. These dudes had to move throughout the crowd and feed 5,000 people. They are tired. They're exhausted. It's work. Ministry is work. If you're not willing to work, then stay out of ministry because ministry is work. They're working. Time out, time out, I'm called. Oh, you are. Time out, I'm going to go to Africa and, and reach a million people, but you ain't taught one Bible study in your school yet. Time out, Pastor, Pastor, please, can you sign my AYC deal? Because I want to go to Tibet and I want to read. Baby, you ain't done nothing here. Why, why, why would you go to Tibet and, and you ain't done nothing here? Oh, you want a photo op. You want some pictures for the gram. That's what you want. You ain't trying to do ministry. 
You ain't done nothing here. Ain't reached nobody here. I ain't seen you in the altar one time. Ain't, you ain't been to one prayer meeting yet. You ain't knocked on nobody's door. But you want me to sign your AYC trip letter so you can go overseas somewhere and serve somebody? You ain't served nobody here? The devil is a lie. No, ma'am, no, sir. What's your motive? What's your motive here? Now, 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 if you've been working and you've been doing and you've been working in the church, I'll sign it. Maybe I'll, I'll pay for you to go. I want you to have that experience. You, this is a young minister. This is a young man in my church that's ministering. This is a young woman in my church that's ministering. I want them to have that experience. Yes, I'll pay your way. I will pay your way to go. But don't come to me and say you want to go do something. You ain't done nothing here. I ain't seen you one time. The disciples come because they've worked, because ministry is work, and they're like, where's our food? And Jesus is like, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, I gave it away. Oh, man, come on. I'm a, I'm a feeder here, and we're serving the needers, and the feeders are serving the needers, and where's our food? And Jesus says, I'll tell you what you do. Go get you that same basket that you served with. Go get that same basket you served with. And pick up all the fragments that are left over. And the Bible says that they took up 12 baskets full. Listen. This is where abundance comes in. Because the only way to have abundance is to have a basket. The only way you can have abundance is to have a basket. Watch this. Everybody who was in the room or was on that side of that mountain left with a belly full. Every kneader left with a belly full, but every feeder left with a basket full. Every kneader, God bless them, I'm a kneader myself. And God bless them, every kneader, they left with their bellies full, but all the feeders, they left with a basket full. Look at the blessings of God. Look at the abundance that God has put in my life. How did you get that abundance? Because I had a basket. The only reason I've got abundance is because I got a basket. And the only way for you to receive abundance is to receive a basket. Hey, can I preach here for a minute? We got to stop showing up to church with a plate. And we're excited about our plate. And we, mmm, Pastor, mm, that was some good preaching today, Pastor. Mm, my belly is full. Lord, the, the word spoke to my spirit. I am so full. Oh, I love that song. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much for singing all that. It was so good. Uh, that's my favorite song. Oh, that spoke to my spirit. I, I'm, I'm leaving full and refreshed. And, and maybe you will, and thank God for it. Just for walking through those doors tonight, you shall receive a blessing. But I can't live off a blessing. That's why you struggle from Sunday to Sunday. It's because you keep showing up with the plate saying, feed me, serve me, show me what you got. But those people that show up early with a basket, they come in with the basket saying, Pastor, what can I do? How can I serve? I brought my basket. Those folks leave with an abundance and they have enough to get them through to the next week and the next week and the next. If you want a basket full, then get you a basket full. You want a basket? 
didn't get you a basket. I keep seeing people walking around, looking the part, acting the part, dressing the part. Talking about what they're going to do for God. I just don't see nobody with a basket. I have young men that call me all the time from all over the world. They call me and, you know, hit me up. They slide in my DMs, you know, Instagram. Uh, hey, i love for you to mentor me, you know, whatever. Every once in a while, I'll feel a touch. And I'll say, yeah, you know, I'll talk to a young man on the phone. Hey, brother, what's going on, you know? Court Chavis, I, I got your message. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit. Want to encourage you, encourage you to keep on the track. Encourage you to do what you. Oh yeah, Pastor Chavis, I, you know, I got a call on my life. God called me to be a preacher. God called me to be, you know. And the, I, I, the first two things I ask him: number one, I say, "Who's your pastor?" Had one young man recently tell me, he said, "Well, I got two pastors." I said, "No, no, you don't." I said, "You got one guy that tells you what you don't want to hear, and you got one guy that tells you what you do want to hear." That's what you got. Well, I don't have a pastor. I have some mentors. The word mentor ain't in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need a mentor. You need a pastor. You need somebody that can tell you no. Absolutely not. You ain't going. Who's your pastor? The next question I ask them is, where do you serve in your church? Well, what do you mean? Where do you serve in your, well, I'm called to be a preacher. God bless you. Have a great day. I've had people in my church tell me, well, Pastor Chavis, that's not in my lane. The devil, your lane? You got a lane? How did you get a, who are you that God gave you a lane? Wow, you got your own lane. That's fantastic. Let me shake your hand. Can you write a book and teach us all how to get a lane? There ain't no lane in ministry. If you're a minister, God's going to have you do stuff that you don't even want to do. He's going to push you out of your comfort zone. He's, you ain't got no lane. Talking about that's not in my lane. Yes, it is in your lane. You may minister to kids this week and minister to adults this week. But if God called you to be a minister, then minister. You may pick up kids on the bus route or you may pick up paper in the parking lot. But I got a basket. You may baptize people in the water, and you may wash a toilet, but either way, I got me a basket. I don't have a lane, baby. I got a basket, and whoever wants her, I'm going to give it to them. What can I do? How can I do it? Give me a job. If you don't have a job in your church, you better not leave this next Sunday without going to your pastor and say, Pastor, give me a job. Give me a job. Give, I, I'm telling you, make him mad at you. Call him every day next week. Give me a job. What can I do? Tell me what, what can I do? How can I do it? Give me a job. I want a job. And I'm not just here because I want a job or I want a badge or I want an office with my name on it. No, I just want to give me a basket huh, because I want abundance in my life. Huh. I'm a needer, but I'm a feeder too. I'm a needer, but I'm a feeder as well. We have to make a shift from needing to feeding. Just because I'm a feeder doesn't make me not a needer. I am still a needer, but I've decided to not only be a needer. I've decided to not show up with a plate. I'm closing. I'm almost finished, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story. 
Because a lot of you see me up here, you know, you see me in my suit and tie. And, you know, you, you heard my name before, Court Chavis, and, and, you know, help me, I'm falling, whatever. You know, one hit wonder, baby. But you don't know my story. You don't know. You don't know that in my teenage years I was reckless, violent, kicked out of school in the 11th grade. They would not take me anymore. Been in too many fights. My last day of 10th grade, I had a water gun, and the assistant principal told me to put the water gun up. And I said, say what? And then when he turned around, I just stood right, right point blank, and I just kept squirting him in the face. I was, I was crazy. I was wild. Had some stuff happen to me when I was a child, and it turned into violence and hatred and just belligerence. And I was always, I was two things. I was always either doing comedy or I was very violent. I was in those two. I had no serious side to me. Went to college, left church, left God, let, messed my life up. Age of 19, almost 20 years old, I had an overdose and almost died. I came back to church that next week, called my mother, said, Mom, I'm coming home. She said, oh, baby, I'm so excited. Come on home. I bring your dirty clothes. I said, no, 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 Mom. No, no, no. Listen, listen to me, Mom. I'm coming home. She said, baby, what happened? I said, I'll tell you, when I get home, I get home that Sunday morning. A lady in my church come to me and said, Court, we want you to sing this song with the choir. I said, I'm not singing with the choir. She said, no, we want you to sing this song with the choir. I said, her name was Sister Fowler, Ellen Fowler. I said, Sister Fowler, I'm not singing. I said, I'm not getting on that pulpit. God will kill me if I get in that pulpit. She said, okay. And she turned around and walked away. She said, you know what, Court, I said, I'll tell you. She said, this morning the Lord woke me up and told me that you were going to sing this song with us. I thought, you know, could, would, would the Lord still use me? And I said, I, I said, I'll tell you what, Sister Fowler, talk to my father. And if my father... If my father says it's okay, I'll sing. She came back to me and said, hey, I talked to your dad. He said it's good. So when we come up, just come up. I can remember people in the church, the noise that people were making when I got up with the choir and took the microphone. I could see people in the crowd was like, because they knew what I was doing. They knew I was in the club, and I was in the club with half their kids. So they knew. They knew I was smoking and drinking and being wild and living a very lascivious lifestyle. And they knew that about me. And so here I come up on the stage, and they're like, what? Matter of fact, I didn't get on the stage. I asked the Fowler if we could stand on the steps that Sunday, and I could stand on the floor. I said, please let me stand on the floor. I was terrified to get behind the pulpit. I was backslid, but I wasn't dumb. So I'm not getting on that pulpit. I'm not standing here. I'm not doing that. And I stood on the floor. And I sang, baptize me, Jesus. And I got to that part when Peter was standing on the house. People were standing on the outside, surprised at what was being done. They marveled and said to one another, look, they're all speaking in some other tongue. Bring it up. Uh, Peter jumped up and started preaching. And the Holy Ghost hit me. And I thought that I would never feel the anointing again in my life. I thought I had wasted that opportunity. And when the Holy Ghost hit me, I lost it. And I tore that church up. I tore that church apart. I shouted and danced and ran, and people was like, what? And, of course, the church knew that I was not living the right life, so they erupted, and the place come slap unglued, and there was, I mean, they were biting on the ceilings. It was crazy. So it was all kind of calmed down. I went to my dad. I said, Dad, can I say something? 
And he said, yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. And so my, my dad had come up to the platform. He was, you know, ministering to, come on, God's doing something. And so I came up. I said, Dad, can I say something? He said, yeah. And he handed me the mic. And I said, hey, I want everybody's attention. And I, so everybody, you know, turned around and looked at me, probably 400 people there that, that Sunday morning. And I said, I'm a sinner. And I said, I've been smoking. I've been drinking. I've been fornicating. I'm no good. I said, you have my word today that I will never stand in this pulpit again until I am right with my God. My dad was so mad at me. He said, what did you do that for? I said, Dad, I had to. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've treated you the way I've treated you. I'm sorry that I've walked away from your covering. I'll never walk away from it again. I'll never walk away from your covering again, Dad. But I, I just had to get this out. I'm done. And I sat on the front row for months. Didn't move. My dad would say, hey, you, 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 how do you feel? No, I'm not, I'm not getting up there. I'm, it's not. I got in the word for myself. You see, until that point, this had been my mama's religion and my daddy's religion. And my grandma, my grandpa's religion, but it hadn't been mine. So I got in the word and I began to read that Bible for myself. And, and I was praying every day and I was fasting. And I said, God, I want to touch you. I want to, God, if, if, if this is true, I want to feel it. And so I got in my word, I began to study, I began to pray. I, I got my grandfather, I said, Grandfather, show me the word, teach me the word. And we began to get in that word and we began to dig and we began, I, and, and, and I sat on that front row for months. And finally my dad said, hey, you got to do something. I said, okay, Dad, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll join the usher board. I got me an ugly green vest. My God, where did they find these vests? I got me an ugly green vest. And I was an usher. I stood by the door in the church. I used to lead the worship. I used to be the choir director. And I was letting people in the door. Hey, welcome to, welcome to Spring Lake United. God bless you. Good, good to have you today. Just an usher. And I ushered for months. And finally, I felt God leading me to get back in that pulpit and lead worship again. And I began to lead worship again. I married Amanda, one of the smartest decisions I ever made. I broke up with her in this time in my life, and we got back together, and I said, listen, if you'll take me back, I'll marry you. I only want to be with you. We, we got married. God began to deal with my life. God spoke to me. I was 22 years old. God spoke to me, and God told me that I would be an evangelist. I didn't even preach. I wouldn't have been a preacher. I was just a singer. I said, okay, God, I'll do, you, I'll do your will, whatever you have to say. And my father told me no for six years. For six years, my father told me no. No, you're not going. People would call, hey, we want to have court come sing. We want to have court come. No, he can't come. My father told me no for six years, but I had lived under, I had lived from underneath my father's covering, and I would never do that again. So I obeyed my father, and I said, okay, Dad, I don't, I don't really like it. I don't really, I'm not, I don't really appreciate it. I'll be honest with you. At some moments, I was bitter. I remember asking my wife several nights, baby, did you hear what God said to me? It, it, was it just my imagination or whatever? And, and. Then in 2003, I was activated in the military full-time, and in 2004, I spent a whole year of combat in Iraq, almost lost my life. I literally spent a year of combat, and that comes with everything you can imagine. And yes, I was in combat. Don't ask me about it. I was there. It was horrible. I came home, all my fingers on my toes. God spared my life on numerous occasions, and something changed in me in that place. And then God put me out there, and my father said, it's time. You need to go evangelize. God has called you to this, and I feel like it's time. I went out in the evangelistic field, and I began to preach. And nobody knew my name. None of y'all knew me. I was a nobody. 
I didn't come from a highly graded pedigree. I didn't have a great last name. My father was really unknown at the time. Nobody knew who I was, but I just preached for friends of my father. And I went to general conference in, I believe it was 2008 in Tampa, or 2007 or 2008 in Tampa. It was the vote. So I went to the vote, and I was a young evangelist, man, and I was so sharp, man. I was, I was done up, had my Bible. I was so sharp, bro. I was, I was, Brother Gentry, I was looking good. And I had a bunch of cards in my pocket. I'm, I'm going to get revivals. Glory to the Lamb, you know. I'm, a, I'm an evangelist, and here I am. I'm doing my thing. And I get to the conference, and Rashidi Collins, who was a friend of mine at the time, said, hey, man, we're, we, uh, we don't have ushers. We're, we're short on ushers. Do you mind ushering? I didn't even think about it. I said, absolutely, bro, because I had a servant spirit. I said, absolutely. I, yeah, come on. Rashidi Collins goes into a closet, pulls out that same green vest. I think there was a season in the church that everybody went on the same website and bought the same green vest. And I thought, here I am again, putting on that green vest. And I'm, a, I'm an evangelist, and I should have it on my suit and tie, and I should be shaking hands and kissing babies, but I'm ushering. I'm ushering. And I'm handing out tabs, and I'm on, the, I'm on the committee, and I'm handing out tabs. And someone says, hey, up there on the stage behind the curtain, there's a bunch of preachers, and they don't have tabs. And I said, well, okay, I grabbed a stack of tabs, and I ran up, and I ran behind the curtain. And when I ran behind the curtain, there stood about ten of my heroes. Mark Foster, Tom Foster, Jack Cunningham, and a list of others, Kenneth Haney. And none of those guys really knew me. Jack Cunningham knew me, though. And Jack Cunningham said, Corey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I, I'm, I'm ushering. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm handing out tabs. And I handed some tabs for handing out. He said, where'd you get that green vest from? I said, I know, bro, it's horrible. I said, no, they called me, asked me if I'd usher. And, and so I'm ushering. I just showed up this morning. And so here I am, I'm ushering. He said, wow. He said, come here. And he stood beside me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he looked at those guys. And he said, hey, listen, Court Chavis is one of the premier evangelists in the UPC. And if you don't have him at your church, you're crazy. He said, get out your phone. He said, he said y'all take this man's number down right now. And I gave my number to my heroes. I wasn't nobody, Brother Gentry. No one knew who I was. And those men, I preached for almost every man behind that curtain, including Kenneth Haney, preaching their pulpits. It was an opportunity of a lifetime, and it did not come through my talent, and it did not come through my singing, and it did not come through my preaching. It did not come through my abilities. It came through a pastor. You cannot tell me. Baby, I know you can preach. I know you can sing. I know you got what it takes. I believe in you. I believe in your ministry. I believe in your gifting. I believe in your calling. But where is your basket? I see you out there, young man. I see you out there, young lady. You're doing it. You're doing it big. You're on the gram. You're on the YouTube. You're doing it. And I am so proud of you, and I am believing in you. My only problem is this. I see your Bible, but where's your basket? I see your credentials, but where's your basket? You need a basket in your life. You got to have a basket in your life. God will elevate you, not just through your giftings, and not just through your callings, and not just through your talent, but he will elevate you if you will serve. Where are you 
you serving? You cannot have abundance without a basket. I am living in, I am living in blessings right now that came through a basket ministry, not through this, what you see tonight. No, no, no. This is not, this is not, this is not my premier ministry. This is not my premier. No, what you're seeing right now is just a glimpse of who I am. This is a glimpse of who I am. You weren't in my hotel room today, and I was talking to a young lady at my church, talking her down, saying, it's going to be okay. God's going to touch your mind. And this big-time evangelist, who you think, whatever you think of me, whatever, I'm kneeling beside my bed in a hotel room where nobody's watching and I'm praying for people in my church because they're about to die and they're about to lose their marriages and they're about to and, and they're about to lose their minds. And I'm and, and 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 when the strongest man in the room, when the greatest man in the room puts a towel over his arm. And Jesus didn't have a basket, but he had a basin. And basins and baskets are the same thing. And the most powerful man in the room gets on his knees and says, let me serve you. Oh, you can't serve me. I'm going to serve you. Hey, hey, hey. No, no, no. You're, you're missing this. If you don't let me serve you, you will have no place in me. And Jesus is showing us, where is your basket? I see your ministry, but where's your basket? I see your giftings, but where's your basket? I see your power and I see your authority, but where's your basin? Where is it? I travel this movement extensively. I see a lot of great people. And they are gifted and powerful and mighty. And I am proud to stand beside them. And proud to hold their hands and say, hey, I'm with this guy. Hey, I'm in a movement with this guy. Hey, I'm with this girl. Hey, I'm with this ministry. This is awesome. But more than not, I find people who are so caught up in the calling that they forgot that they were actually called. And I have no lane. And I have no special ministry. I just want to serve. How can I serve? I want to be a servant. The word minister in your Bible means servant. Ministry does not equal a microphone. Ministry does not equal a pulpit. You're just seeing a small glimpse of who I am and what I am. And I promise you, when your pastor stands in this pulpit and you say, oh, Pastor Jordan, what a great message. You're only seeing a snippet of what that man did this week. You weren't there when he was praying for people that you don't even know their names yet. You weren't in the hospital room. You were laid up in your bed, sleep at 3 in the morning. But he was in the hospital room laying hands on people and serving because serving is tiring. It's exhausting. It's work. But it brings a basket. You know how I keep showing up. You know how I can keep ministering. You know how I have abundance. Because somewhere along the way, I shifted from a needer to a feeder. And I got me a basket full. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
God, tonight, I'm so passionate about this, oh God. I want your demonstration in this house now. I believe I preach your word tonight. God, more than anything in this room tonight, I want an awakening of servants. Jesus said, pray. He just said, pray. So, Lord, what are we praying for? He said, I want you to pray that God would send laborers into the field. Oh, God, can we pray? Can we pray for something? No, no, no. Uh, let's pray for laborers. Let's pray for workers. Let's pray for servants. We don't need to pray for nothing else. Let's just pray for laborers, people that will show up, show up early, pray, give, fast. Don't, they don't need a name. They don't need a name badge. They don't need a lanyard. They don't need anything. They'll just show up and serve and say, Lord, whatever you're doing in the season, don't do it without me. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to serve. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. There's some young men and some young ladies in this room. God has called you. God has anointed you. He has gifted you. But tonight, he's reaching for a different level of what you've given to him. And he's saying, where's your basket now? Show me what you're doing. Show me where you're serving. And I got news for you tonight. This altar is open for you, for those young men and those young ladies that are in this room. And you're wondering, Lord, what can I do? Lord, how can I serve? Just come to this altar and fall on your knees and say, Lord, God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Come on, pray that prayer tonight. God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. God, whatever you're doing in this season, I don't care what it looks like, Lord. I'll serve. I'll show up. I'll give. God, I'll answer the phone. I'll sweep the floor. I don't care what it is, Lord. I just want to do something in the kingdom, God. I'm not coming to church anymore with just the plate, but I'm coming with a basket. I want more than a belly full. I want a basket full. The only way to have abundance is to have a basket. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Oh, I feel a shift right there. Ooh, I feel it. My God. My God. God is about to shift some mentalities, some thought processes. Come on, you ought to pray that prayer. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use anything, God, you can use me. Whatever you're doing in this season, God, don't do it. I want to be on the front lines. I don't care what it looks like. I'll push a button. I'll run a sound system. I'll run the pro presenter, God. I don't care what it I'll do anything, Lord. I'll, I'll operate a camera. But whatever you're doing, don't do it without me. Get you a basket. Get you a basin.
God, I want to do something for you. I want to do something for you. And I come to encourage some other folks in this room. You think the job that you do here at this church is insignificant, and that's a lie from the devil. Every time you show up and turn on the light, Every time you sweep a floor, every time you show up early and put salt out on the sidewalk so you don't want people to slip in the ice, you're doing a service for the Lord. And that is a basket. And don't let the enemy tell you any otherwise. You are serving the kingdom of God. I don't care if all you do is show up and turn on the lights. You are doing something for the kingdom of God. We can't do it without you. I refuse to be a spectator one day longer. I refuse to be a spectator one day longer. God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Come on, we got to make a shift tonight. I'm shifting from a needer to a feeder. I'm shifting tonight. I feel a shift in the house right now. I feel it in the house right now, God. I'm switching my mindset. I'm switching my mindset. I will not just be a needer, but I will be a feeder. I will help. I will help. I will distribute this gospel. I will distribute your plan and your power, and I will show the love of Christ everywhere that I go, no matter what that looks like. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it right now. There are some evangelists that are in this room that God's calling you to the evangelistic field, but he wants to know, can you show up early and help before you Become that evangelist. There's some missionaries in this room uh, that God's calling you to the missionary field, but he wants to know, can you be an usher first? Uh, there, there are some apostles in this room, uh, but God's saying, hey, uh, can you just be on a team and can you sit under the authority? I cannot feed you till you sit down. God's about to do something mighty through you, powerful through you. Get you a basket. God, how can I serve? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? For the kingdom of God. I see you. I see your credentials. I see you. You look good. But I don't see your basket. Where's your basket? Where's your basket? God, give us a basket. God, change our mentality tonight. Change the way we think. Change the way we think. God, change our value system. God, help us change our value system. God, our values are so messed up. Our priorities are so messed up. God, change our value system that we can see that the most important person in the room is the greatest servant in the room. Awake, 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 awake thou sleeper, awake thou sleeper. The time is now. You don't have to wait another week. You don't have to wait another day. You can start doing something this coming Sunday. Awake, awake, awake. It's not time to dream about what you're going to do. It's time to do something about what you're going to do. Awake, awake. Wake up. 
God, make us over. God, make us over. Change our thought processes. God, change our mindsets. Change our mentalities. God, let us show me. Show me, God. The value of a basket. something new in us right now. Come on, if you want that for yourself, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, do something new in me. Give me a desire. Give me a burden. Baptize me. This is a dangerous prayer, so be careful. But pray it. God, baptize me with a burden. Baptize me, God. Do something new in me. Somebody sing it. Lord, make me whole. Change my priorities, Lord. Lord, make me whole. Lord, make me whole. Come on, somebody say it like a prayer now. the Holy Ghost in this room. Make me over again, Lord. 
If you really mean it, tell him. I feel the anointing in this house. I feel the anointing in this house. I feel the anointing in this room. My God, my God. You want to lay hands on somebody close to you and just pray for them right now. God, give them a burden. God, baptize them right now. God.